Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet. No GPS. No text messages. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast, episode 288. This is Russ, and I'm joined Doesn't by Aaron Newark. anybody ever dust in here while we're gone? I, oh my I know, God. right? It's like an inch thick. And <laughs> Chub Toad left all these hostess Twinkie wrappers everywhere. Jesus. I'm it's sorry. Not just, mm-hmm. it ain't, <laughs> it's not just Twinkies. <laughs> I'm going to sweep up. <laughs> so, yeah, as you can tell, it's uh, Jim Dietz, Aaron Newarth. Uh, the Ew. other two are uh, MIA, um, at least for now. Who knows? It's a Walking Dead podcast. Who knows? Like, you know, people just show up. People disappear. They become whispers. Yeah. So it's been a so. while since we recorded. Uh, we're hoping that uh, we would, I think, record more. Uh, I... I think we weren't expecting things to, uh, it, although it is 2020, so we should have we we, we should have expected more uh, craziness. But I don't I don't think we anticipated uh, the events going on in the world, and uh, somehow I think a lot of us just felt like maybe doing a podcast. I know it wasn't first and foremost on my mind uh, in the last couple weeks uh, of things to do, um, but uh, but I anyway. think. As, yeah, as time has gone on, and I, I, you know, I, I miss talking to you guys. I think, I think we all, you know, we kind of chatted after kind of not chatting for a bit, and we're like, hey, you know, we should, we should, we should talk about stuff. Yeah, it's the. I mean, you've got to it already as far as <laughs> the world is on yeah. fire right now. But um, there had, you know, we expected the finale to, you know, air <laughs> at this point, yeah. and it didn't. Yeah, and. Let alone, you know, other things happening in the world of The Walking Dead. But regardless, yeah, it's been – the world has literally changed multiple times since we last did a podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. so it makes sense that, yeah, let's like let's collect each other together and try to do something for the time being. And hopefully we'll do more in the – you know, a little more regularly in the future, and especially now because, uh, Jim, there's a little bit of news, right, in regards to where right. things are with uh, the end of the season 10. <laughs> yeah. In a – um. There's a, a great YouTube channel, uh, if you're interested in comics at all, called uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe by uh, Ed Pisker, who's worked for Marvel and has uh, done their Hip Hop Family Tree, which is an award-winning comic series. And Jim Rugg, who does Street Angel, has a new Octobriana comic coming out. Uh, they did a, a really long interview with Robert Kirkman. Uh, uh, on their YouTube channel called Cartoonist Kayfabe. And Kirkman said that although that the um, the date hasn't been publicly released yet, they have actually picked a date for uh, the airing of that uh, of the finale. And that the with the uh, the current laws as they are um, uh, with the new um, the COVID uh, guidelines for filming and whatnot, that they uh, it could be coming sooner uh, rather than later. So. That's basically that's the gist of it. If you want to hear the whole um, uh, interview, it's very interesting. He talks about the rise of The Walking Dead as a comic. He talks about Skybound as a production company, uh, the success he's had. Very interesting interview with the guy. But uh, those are the pertinent nuggets that are in there anyway. You know what I have to guess? I wonder if you guys agree. 
at this point, since it's already been delayed a lot, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out like the the Sunday of Comic Con, like the virtual Comic Con that's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah, I, I think they could, they could probably hype it up by having their panel. However, it happens because there is still going to be a, a virtual San Diego Comic Con, and then you could like that's they could like it could either be a surprise like the surprise announced it at this panel, or they could just be like you know we're gonna hype it up here and then on sunday you can finally watch the end of season 10 like i I feel like that would be a good way to to kind of bring the hype back you know because as opposed to just being like hey by the way june 29th we're airing walking dead finale like you know i think that's something to motivate more to like well yeah it's coming back or they could do like uh i mean they have like uh, uh video game reveals where like you know and right after this panel's over We'll be airing that finale, you know. Yeah, same thing, exactly. That kind of like, thing, you know. Like I think our, centering it around then might be the smart move on their part, right? Uh, there was also a reveal of a, of a new uh, Walking Dead virtual reality game. Okay. Uh, for yeah, that's just what I need right now. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> if you step outside right now, everything's super fine. So we need to walk around with the undead in virtual reality. Because yeah. you know it's so nice and pleasant out right now. You know you need to, you need to have an apocalyptic uh, virtual reality to retreat to, right? Um, this is a new virtual reality game called Walking Dead Onslaught. It features Norman Reedus, uh, both doing uh, uh, voice acting and 3D motion capture. Oh, good. Yeah, and it's coming out for uh, Steam VR, PlayStation VR, and Oculus. That as well. So, I in case just, you're not getting enough apocalypse, <laughs> I was just thinking, what if you take like that Walking Dead augmented reality game to like one of the like protests that's taking place right now? <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, you're like you really need a kick out of like having your surroundings involving zombies or whatnot. You'd really go wild with it. Yeah, uh, I guess the only other news about The Walking Dead was that um, season ten so far uh, has been uh, the most watched scripted show on cable for the year uh, for the twenty nineteen twenty twenty season. Uh, it had four point five million viewers and a one point nine rating among the eighteen to forty nine demo. Um, and it's ranked eleventh in all Nielsen measured primetime shows overall. So uh, all all outlets. So. so, like, even, like, cable, like, regular cable shows, like, it's bigger yes. than... Oh. Let's take news. that. It's yeah. still... The even flash? I mean... Like, yeah. Well, no, it's all measure... All Nielsen measured primetime shows. That includes broadcast as well. Yeah. So, so it, I mean, it's it's not doing as well as it used to, but it's still doing pretty well. I mean, the, the season five average was about 14 million, so... Yeah. 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 In your face, young Sheldon. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, it's just that it's still very popular. You know, I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of the world around The Walking Dead. Good for The Walking Dead. <laughs> but anywho. Yeah. Uh, we thought we'd think... get around and uh, maybe talk about some uh, other things to watch while we're waiting for the finale to drop, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we didn't really have a real agenda here to, you know, talk about stuff. But yeah, I think we're thinking of stuff to to kind of watch while we're anxiously waiting for the return. Um, so Aaron, why don't, why don't you go first? What do, what do, what do you, what do you kind of recommend or what have you been watching that uh, you want to draw some attention to? Sure. I've, uh, I mean, I've been watching a ton of stuff. Because sure. Just, well, yeah, that's it's kind of your uh, job, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I have like, and we'll get to plugs and everything. So we can get to that later on. But I, 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 for this podcast specifically, I want to assemble a list 
um, of just like things I would recommend that kind of relate to the Walking Dead universe in some way. Um, so it's it, these are various movies that are available, and I imagine any streaming service you can find them on, and they're all pretty much horror and sci-fi things so like if you're still in the just despite how dystopian society might seem in reality if you still want to get in on that that's kind of where i'm going with uh, the, the recommendations i've made specifically but the first one that came to mind uh probably the least i don't know it's still horror but i i wanted to look at um the various cast members of the walking dead and see like what's a good like horror sci-fi movie that they've been involved in that i would recommend and honestly not many is the answer to that question as far as this past, I, was, I was a little surprised it's like huh not too many options there but there is one that i actually really like that does feature uh one cast member for walking dead it's a movie called spring it uh it features nadia hilker who plays magna on the walking dead uh this is like a lovecraftian romance sci-fi independent movie um, oh, I, a tale as old as time. Uh huh. I, I really enjoy it. It's about this uh, this guy um, who's with his friends. He comes to a European town, um, I believe in Italy, uh, for like vacation, like spring break or whatever. Maybe it's Spain. Um, I got to look it up. Uh, and he meets a woman who he instantly falls for, and they strike up a relationship. But she she seems to be hiding something, and we don't quite know what that is. But she can't seem to like come out during certain times of day or what have you uh but things slowly reveal themselves and there's something going on uh obviously since i used the word lovecraftian to describe this movie to begin with but it's a really solid film it's from uh these two directors they also did this movie the endless a couple years ago that was oh like, uh, i yeah. love the endless that was yeah. great yeah spring is the one they did before that movie um i think it's aaron morehouse and another uh, Justin, something. I'm going to see if that's still on Netflix because that's another good recommendation. The Endless is still on Netflix, actually. It is. I, okay. I checked. Um, awesome. Spring is probably on Shutter, if I had to guess. But uh, no, it's it's a it's a sol- it's a solid genre movie. Um, some really good, for a low budget film too. It has some really creative um, special effects and what have you. So uh, yeah, that was one I wanted to shout out there. You didn't have the boy on your list, there. <laughs> Current Walking Dead cast members, Russ, and no, Dang because it. I the boy. Yeah, or else he would have gone right into the Whiskey Cavalier. You know, you know, he would have. The the boy is perfect for if it's on like HBO, and you're like, I guess I haven't seen this. Like that's a great deal for that reason. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Uh, Jim, why don't you? What, what's what's on your list? Well, I'm going to stick with Aaron's theme of having uh, recommending things that are um, uh, related to um, uh, um, The Walking Dead, and I'm going to recommend uh, Creep Show, which is coming to AMC. It's available on demand, and it's also right now you can see it on Shutter. Uh, not only is this um, um, uh, uh, produced by Greg Nicotero. Of the Walking Dead, of Walking Dead fame, you know many episodes he directed. You know many, um, you know. I've heard uh, of him. Yeah, you may have heard of him around Greg Nicotero. It also has uh, Kaylee Fleming, little little ass kicker, in one of the episodes. Um, it's basically it's a throwback to the old uh, movie, the Stephen King George Romero uh, movie Creep Show. Uh, the trope is that these are short horror stories from like one of the old like EC style comic books. 
um, with you know kind of the usually have a stab or twist in the end. The cast is incredible. Um, um, the first one is written by Stephen King and uh, stars uh, um, uh, oh god I'm going to blank on, on names um, Adrian Barbeau is in it Giancarlo uh, 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 Esposito um, just the cast is incredible it's really good horror it's really fun uh, some of the episodes are just incredibly off the wall and bizarre it's got that definitely got that Nicotero vibe going on uh, I so if you know I would definitely recommend that for sure cool uh, well, I, I'm not traditionally like a, a fan of horror. I'm, I'm not a big horror guy, which is funny. For Russell somebody. Latham, host of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Knocked <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> into horror. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do like zombie flicks. So it's, it's kind of this weird dichotomy. Um, I usually, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of zombie flicks, I think, than horror in general, which, Take, I can take, understand that. They're a take. metaphor for society. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hate people, but I love gatherings. I know. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> people are stupid. A person may be smart. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, I I am going to recommend Train to Busan. Oh, nice. Just uh, in time. I, yep. Yeah. And I saw this, I guess it was on Netflix, what, maybe – I saw this maybe six months ago, maybe eight months ago. Time is a funny thing these days. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometime in the past, I saw this Time movie. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a Korean movie. Um, I really – this is like one of my favorite zombie movies, I think, of all time. I really, really like this movie. It's um, pretty great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's funny because when it – you know, when I saw the advertisement and stuff, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Um and and then I watched it, and I got to the end, and I was like, and I don't say this too often, like for other than for you know big big budget action movies or whatnot. I'm like, I I could watch that again. <laughs> um, I didn't, but but uh, but I, I just I, I I really enjoyed it. Um, and again, the sequel's coming up called Peninsula. Peninsula. Yeah, which that trailer looked insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pacing in Train to Busan is just incredible. Yeah. I really like it's just so well timed and paced that movie. It's just incredible. For a movie that oh. essentially takes place on a train the yes. entire time. Same director too, by the way, for mm-hmm. both of them. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. Um but yeah, it's it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. it. It's just a really, really good and it's kind of I guess in the vein of the faster zombies. Like this isn't slow plotting zombies. These are like uh Yeah, they're speed demons. Like World War Z kind of twenty eight days later style of you know, wall o zombie uh situation, which I thought was really, really cool. And looking at the current trailer, it just they they're they, it seems like they're definitely taking it up a notch, as they say. I wanna I wanna shout out Ma Dong Siok, who's like the tough guy in Train to Busan, who's like super mm. awesome. He's gonna be in Eternals um as well, the MCU. Oh, thing. nice. Uh, but he's like a beast in this movie and it's awesome. <laughs> like he's punching zombies in the face and stuff. Yeah. He's this barrel yeah. chested man. Uh, he's just he's really he, like the act the, the performance is really awesome because it's just the various characters take on certain caricature type personalities but there is some evolution in some of them for a movie that takes place you know over the course of like a couple hours on a train um and it's just really fun to see like how that is how those dynamics play out it'll also i don't know if you've seen this russ there's um the director he's an animator as well there's a movie called there's a, a prequel an animated prequel called seal station no um, yeah that's available in a lot of places well i think it's on netflix right now i know it's on like canopy oh, awesome. 
Uh, I think it's on Shutter, but yeah, it's an animated prequel to Train to Busan. Same director, it's just you know, it's animated. Um, very intense as well. <laughs> it, it Sounds like. Huh. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to check that out. I did not know that existed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Check that one out. But yeah, I, I highly recommend it. 2016. Wow, I didn't realize that movie was was that old. I think it hit America in like 27, like later on. But yeah, it, it's, been a, yeah. It's, been, it's been around a little bit. Yeah. It got a theatrical release, didn't it, in the States? <laughs> um, if it did, it was very much because I, I didn't. I, I knew about it, and, and I didn't see it in theaters. And I wanted to. I knew. I knew it existed, and I never got a chance to see it. So. I think I heard about it from Aaron actually in one of his uh, podcasts when he talked about it, and uh, then it popped up on Netflix a year or so later. Yeah, opening weekend USA gross two hundred eighty four thousand on July twenty fourth, twenty sixteen. All right, yeah. So it was total pretty... gross in the U.S. of two point one million. Worldwide gross of ninety two million. Yeah, it was huge in, uh, in Korea, Korea, among other places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my that's my first pick. Nice. So I go back to me. Yep. Yes, uh, sir. All right. Um, let's see. Speaking of zombie films, I'm going to talk about The Battery. Um, this is another little indie movie. Um, it has a it, it has a great like Scream Factory Blu-ray release, but it's probably available on streaming services as well. Um, it is about these two guys. Um, a zombie apocalypse already taken over. You're just basically following them. They're they're former baseball players. That applies to some degree. Uh, and they're just kind of living. They're just kind of living it, which made me think of The Walking Dead a lot as far as there's a normalcy to what they're going through. Like, it's less about discovering that they're zombies and more about the, well, this is what it is now, and this is how we're doing it. And it's very low-key, uh, very low-fi. The zombie stuff happens, and it's, you know, it's intense as it needs to be or what have you. But it's really about this relationship between these guys and how they're surviving and everything. Um, solid movie. Uh, a little less lesser known, so that's why I wanted to shout it out as well. But yeah, I mean, as as a fan of zombie cinema, uh, I think there's a, a, a solid movie here that does a, a good job with these uh, this situation and you know presenting it as, as such as it does. So the battery, it's a good one. Awesome, sounds good. I'll have to make a more note of that. Yeah. Um, I guess my next pick, since you're gonna. I'll, you got. You can stay in the movie lane, and I'll stay in the TV lane. Okay. Um, on Netflix, there is a show that just uh, second season uh, just debuted a few months ago uh, called Kingdom. Ah, my second pick as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. No, and, no, no. Um, go. No, no, no. It's a, it's um a, a it's like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon mixed with zombies. Uh, you have the the very you know um uh. Uh, well choreographed and, and beautifully uh, 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 dressed, uh, uh, um, you know, medieval uh, Asian uh, setting, and you have a zombie plague taking over, and it's just an incredible mix of the two genres. It's really, uh, it's really cool, visually very interesting. Um, again, like I said, the second season just dropped on Netflix. Um, I I watched it as soon as it came up. Uh, I think it was back in March, but the, yeah, the new season came up, um, and. They just like there's a you know it, it starts out with just rumors of some sort of ill king, uh, and then like the only the only one that's left is the prince who can uh, who can defend against because his king and all these other people have been taken over by the zombie plague, and the the story just plays out from from there and how they're trying to you know defend against a, uh, you know this growing threat. 
and they really it's like a slow burn at first it doesn't you know yeah. they don't really hit you with the zombies like out of the gate you know first it's just they really establish the character and the settings and like the every character's dynamic to one another and then slowly they infiltrate with the the zombie element and it really just grows up to it just brings up to um you know it boils up to like a real um like fever pitch i really enjoyed it a lot so i need to watch this <laughs> Like this I, sounds so my speed. I yeah, it's it's, re- so it's really cool, and I found it totally on accident. And uh, I, I watched the first season. I'm just like, this is incredible. I gotta tell everyone I can. I tried, <laughs> but oh well. But yeah, I, I, I keep trying until everybody checks it out. I really enjoyed it a lot. Or are these like hour episodes? Yeah. 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I can yeah. I can do I can I have lunch breaks and watch it. <laughs> yeah. The problem I have is. So I'm 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 still working on the first season. I I have a tendency like once work is done and everything's kind of you know it's one of those things I start at like nine or ten at night and I watch it subtitled. Mm-hmm. So I start like nodding, you know it's like ten thirty ten forty and I'm like I start like half nodding off. Um, which when you're trying to read subtitles, uh, you know there's sometimes where you can watch something and you kind of half ass nod off. And, you know, because you can still hear it, it's like, okay, you get it. Just to um, remind all the listeners, only one man on this gra- uh, cast is a grandfather. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> anyway, uh, the episode, there's only six episodes a season, so it, it'd be easy to catch up on. It's cool because there's like a nice, like, uh, almost like a Game of Thrones layer on top of like the different political machinations going on. Yeah. In the backdrop of all this catastrophe, you know, and uh, it's just it's really well played out. I didn't mean to cut you off, Russ. I'm sorry. No, Go no, ahead. no, no, no. So yeah, I I need to start it earlier when I'm not quite as tired, and try and uh, not think I'm still in my you know early 30s, 20s, where I could start watching TV at 11 o'clock at night and you know and <laughs> stay up late. Um, yeah. I'm not laughing at you. I, I'm laughing at a funny joke I just read. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I thought of a Garfield cartoon. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> that Garfield, he loves lasagna. Yes. But he, he hates, hates Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Russ, what you got? Um, so the other thing I had on my my list, again, a little cliched. I know it's it's been out there for a, a long time. I know we've talked about it. Uh, on the show before, but 28 days later, I, I really dig 28 days later. I just like the concept. It's again, kind of similar to the walking dead where it's just like you have this outbreak and you kind of fast forward a little bit and things are not so fast forward that like everything is already declined, but things are kind of like on their way. And, and, you know, it, it's, you know, again, a, a lot of Romero, uh, um, night of the living dead. And, you know, obviously things we'll see in, um, uh, uh, Walking Dead, but uh, predates the Walking Dead comic by one year. Um, Waking up in a hospital, not yeah. being able to find anybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was hard not to when I started reading Walking Dead. I was like, "Well, there's okay. <laughs> that's that's our start, huh?" <laughs> it's hard not to see that. Cillian right. um, Murphy is one of my favorite actors, though. After I watched uh, Peaky Blinders, yes, incredible, incredible actor. Yeah, Cillian so Murphy. Um, uh, Naomi Harris, Brendan Gleeson, like you'll, you'll, if if you if you watch a lot of British, uh, d- directed by Danny Boyle, um, and again this is like the fast pace, um, you know I think this is kind of like the I'm sure it's not the 
this is, no, this is the outset. This is where it, it, it was like this and the Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake where it's like, I guess we're doing fast for a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even yeah, though like, yeah. there's not many movies that have fast zombie. Like, that's not that's not too much of a thing, but, you know. No. <laughs> and I think that's why I really appreciated it because I was like, okay, this is something different. Like, this is, like, able to take this trope of, oh, it's a zombie apocalypse, um, but do something different with it, um, with, the, yeah. with the whole fast-moving zombies. And, and oh. again, the I thought the cast was 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 really really solid danny boyle he 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 gets upset when you say the z word he doesn't like calling them zombies they're infected he very much he likes holding to that it's like it's not a zombie movie it's like get over it danny (laughs) yeah we know it is by alex garland i didn't realize that alex garland wrote that oh yeah i'll say this though i prefer 28 weeks later i like it more i i dig 28 weeks later as well i don't i don't know that i like it better but i i i enjoy it quite a bit I, I'll say why I like it more. I like the ending more. I think 28 Days Later, I don't dislike it, but I do think the end pales compared to how it begins or how it them getting up to where they go. Yeah. I like all of that more than where they end up. Where 28 Weeks Later is just a fucking thrill ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, takes you to, and it like it has the right kind of cast where anyone could die and you're like, oh, that's surprising. At the same time, I didn't know if they would live or die because it's not like a huge – It's but you have like young Jeremy, younger Jeremy Renner, uh, Idris uh, Elba, Roseburg and Idris Elba, Robert, uh, Carlyle. Robert Carlyle, who's amazing in that movie. Yeah, the, the opening of 28 Weeks Later is one of the best horror openings in any movie. <laughs> like it's so good. Harold Perrineau. Harold, Harold Perrineau, yeah. It's got it's got a but yeah I I I was I was surprised I was going in skeptical thinking well Danny Boyle's not back it's a sequel to Twenty Eight Days Later which I really liked how is this going to work and I was surprised how much I really dug Twenty Eight Weeks Later yeah and then weren't they talking for a long while about doing like Twenty Eight Months Later and then they just that's always it's always been the thing yeah and I I'd welcome it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. just wait and do Twenty Eight Years Later yeah (laughs) at this point I mean yeah yeah. It's a documentary. Um, yeah, so that twenty eight days later. So that was that was like my my third my that was third on my list. I have what do I have next year? Um, doing a lot of zombies. How about this movie, Monsters? Uh, it is. I keep choosing these smaller ones. It oh, is, it's um. That's a good movie. Yeah, it's from director um. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans. No, it's Edwards. Confused. That's Edwards. Oh yeah, you're right. Did the raid? The other one didn't. Yeah, Gareth Evans did the raid. Gareth. (laughs) Gareth Gareth Edwards did monsters. Did Did monsters. Did and Rogue One and Godzilla, of course. Um, But it's it's a it's a small it's a small movie. Uh, It's set at a time where there are apparently monsters in the world, like aliens. Um, They're like they're like monster zones. Yes. Like areas in the world that have monsters in them. Exactly. And it's there's some various obvious metaphors going on there, but it, it revolves around a character who's tasked with bringing someone home. And so he has to cross the border. It's Scoot McNary. He's a good character actor. He's been in a lot of things since this movie. Underrated um, actor, in my opinion. I mean, he's just really reliable. I, I, I agree as far as he's not a household name, but he's a solid character actor. Does his thing. But he, it's basically these two people on a journey back from one side of the border to the other. And what really I mean, it's it works as far as like it's a it's a low 
like budget movie, like literally, like it, it costs like under a million dollars. And Gareth Edwards, who has a background in special effects, he did all the special effects himself on his laptop. Um, but it it gets a lot it of looks, mileage. I'll tell you what, though, it looks really good. It looks fantastic. That's why for, he got for, Godzilla yeah. and Rogue One because he's exactly. like he knows he's. He, I honestly think Gareth Edwards is one of the best directors that knows how to work with scale. He has such a great eye for how to like show scale off in a movie which is why i really like his godzilla and which is why i think rogue one is one of the most beautiful of the star wars movies it's such a great looking movie sure um but yeah this one his first film really solid movie um i i I know it's everything i'm mentioning is streaming you can find these things but monsters really really cool movie um it has a lot of different elements going on as far as uh political commentary uh sci-fi horror some romance like there's a lot of stuff there and I, I think it's a really solid film didn't they do a sequel to it i, I don't think yes it... monsters dark continent yeah yeah <laughs> Which is a, um, more of a straightforward action sci-fi movie <laughs> wow it was more like a well we have the name monsters i guess we can make another <laughs> one yeah <of> these. <laughs> yeah because not like nobody involved, no one's involved. With the... yeah it's not yet. yeah yeah Jim, what else you got on your list? Well, I'm going to uh, recommend... I'm going to take like the bus here, and I'm going to drive it off the zombie road a little bit, if that's okay, and recommend a show about vampires. Uh, I've heard of those. You, uh, yes, you may have heard of them. They're very popular with the young people. They sparkle. Anywho, hey, there's a timely reference from 10 years ago. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show is What We Do in the Shadows. It's uh, on FX, on Hulu. Uh, it's, there was a movie by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement a few years ago about it was a uh, fake documentary about some vampires uh, living in present day New York. And this TV series has the same premise, but different actors, different vampires. And it is pound for pound, like right now, since Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not on, the funniest show on TV. And I, the, uh, the cast is Matt Berry, from, who's done like countless BBC things. Um, um, Nastasia Dimitru and Kaivan Novak and Harvey Gilman uh, as Guillermo, they're um, uh, familiar, and then there's uh, Mark Proch, who's playing an energy vampire, he's like the guy in the office who sucks all your energy away from you by talking about boring things and stuff um, it's a hilarious show, it's just incredibly funny, every episode, I'm just like Mark Hamill was on the episode, uh, episode two weeks ago uh, as a guy named Jim, the vampire. That's the best uh, episode of the season. That was my favorite Jackie one. Daytona, Jack, man. Jackie Daytona, man. Jackie Daytona. Jackie Daytona. You can't beat that. I've got my blue jeans and my toothpick. I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, it's it's hilarious. I love it. And I stay up till midnight every Thursday because that's when the FX shows flip over to Hulu. Uh, just, so I can watch <laughs> the new, just so I can watch the new episode. Uh, that's how good it is. I, and... Uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement are also very still, very much still involved with the show. They still write episodes. Uh, they still direct episodes. They, um, the last episode that was on had Jermaine Clement in a, a cameo or like a you know, extended cameo role or whatever. Um, it's just hilarious, hilarious. And the cameo, there are so many weird cameos in this show. Um, it, it, there was one episode at the end of last season where they brought together the Vampire Council. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, Tilda Swindon and Wesley Snipes and Paul Rubens all playing different vampire characters from various vampire films and TV shows. It was just incredible. But the second season has been just as strong, if not stronger, 
their familiar turns out to be descended from the Van Helsings. So he's like an accidentally really good vampire hunter. And that's not working out so well for them. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just really recommend it. It's very funny. All, uh, both seasons are available on Hulu. Um, it's on FX every Thursday night. Yeah, the, I'd say the second season is more consistent than the first one. I like the first um, season. It took me a second yeah. to kind of adjust to you know having new vampires and everything. And I think the first season still has the best episode of the series, let alone one of the funniest comic comedy episodes I've seen as far as the giant crossover event that takes place towards the end of the first season. But, um, right, right. But the, but yeah, the second season consistently, it's just, it's, it's, it's really strong. Like they took the ball and ran with it for the second season for sure. So far. And I didn't really know, uh, Harvey Gillian until this, but he's incredible. I will watch whatever he does after this. He is, I mean, I already knew about Matt Berry because of the toast. Yeah, Matt Berry. So, uh-huh. He's been a hilarious guy for, for I mean, I mean, he was on the IT crowd, um, but but Arby Gillian for me has been like a real revelation. He's just incredible in this. Nice. Uh, I'll do a quick hit since we were talking about Taika Waititi. We we're talking a little bit about filmmaking and process and things like that. Um, the Disney Gallery on the Mandalorian. Ooh, yeah. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Has been like at first I was like, oh, okay, they're going to do eight episodes about a show that was eight episodes um but it's turned out to be really really cool it, uh, i it, it harkens back to the show that favreau did like before he became you know um but dinner for five super, yeah t- yeah dinner for five where he'd get you know five filmmakers together right. and they just kind of have it have it so it's a lot of the episode has like a table and there's kathy kennedy and um uh, John Knoll and Doug Chang. Yeah, Filoni. Filoni's always there. Yeah, dude, I gotta just interject really quick. When Filoni explains the gravitas of oh, Phantom man. Menace, yeah, I was like, okay, wow, okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, he. I think it was like the third episode where he goes in. This, yeah. He ends the episode with like a six-minute dissertation on, uh, on on the on yeah the Phantom Menace and the prequels in, in general, but. Um, but there's an episode, I guess it's the fourth episode, I think, which it's called Technology. Um, and they mm-hmm. go in depth on what they call the volume. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It is unbelievable. That's um, incredible. And they just talk about the evolution that Favreau went through from Jungle doing Book. Um, Jungle Book to Lion King to now doing The Mandalorian. And the fact that most of this show is shot in a what a 70 foot diameter dome essentially that uh-huh. um that has is completely surrounded by television screens for lack of a better description it's really funny because in disney world in the 80s they had a ride like that i can't remember what it was called but it was 360 it was a huge room but it was just 360 projection all around you yeah and uh this is like the you know the star trek version of that yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> nowadays with extremely high resolution panels with no bezels, yeah, you know, they, right. could just, mm-hmm. they, they could just shove these things together. I, um, um, I just to add, like, I, I re- that's my favorite of the bunch of these, but I think it's been a really insightful like series of episodes to begin with. But I, what I really liked about that technology episode and learning about the volume and what have you is that it 
while I'm still not a fan of the Lion King, his movie, I really started to appreciate what he did to like make that work. I, I think it, it really showed you like what a director's doing in making that kind of movie where you see what yeah. he did with the jungle book, which I like more. Um, and you see like why that was difficult and how he improved upon it as far as to how to make a movie about with the Lion King. And then like took that to like its natural next step when you're incorporating like live action actors and sets right. and things like that. So I, I thought it was like, it, it gave me an appreciation for what he's doing as a filmmaker. That's really trying to be ambitious and do something, you know, new and evolved technology it reminds me of something like, I don't know, like beyond like Spielberg and Lucas, obviously, but something like Robert Zemeckis, who's always been like on the forefront of technology when it comes to filmmaking well it also seems like a, a good um compromise between like an actual building out a sound whole sound stage uh-huh yeah and, and going full digital like the early lucasfilm offerings you know it's it's it has that realism to it yet it still is you know as malleable as you know di- uh digital and it's it's really interesting I, I i totally agree that was a great watch that whole series i really enjoyed yeah, I mean, Filoni talks about how, like, oh, yeah, I was doing basically second unit stuff. And as long as I was filming everything from people's, like, shins up, he's like, I could do 26 shots in a day. Like, it mm-hmm. was just like, because it literally would take them 30 minutes to completely redress the set, depending, you know, as long as they didn't have to do anything low, if everything was, like, basically up shots, they could just reconfigure that thing in, like, 30 minutes and just repull it back up. Um, but it was really cool to see, you know, the camera shooting the camera kind of thing, because you could see what they do with like, with like the depth perception. So when you look at it on the screen and the way that the lens, the camera films it, it all looks like it, it makes sense. Yeah. But, but when you actually see what they're filming, you see all the extrusions and the weird, like, uh, you know, the way that the screens, you know, distort, you know, give perspective and, um, and everything else. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and, and to, to see how, um, this can really change the way that, I, I mean, and especially if you think about it in, in a world where we're dealing right now with, with the pandemic, um, the fact that you could have this essentially closed environment, build these, these worlds and sets out, have this crew and, and cast and everything come in and be fairly self-contained. I imagine the folks have to be looking at that going, okay, you know, in, in, in a certain type of environment, this is something that we could really take advantage of to be able to still get content out, but keep everybody safe and not, um, you know, and not do other things. It's, it's, it's remarkable. The other, the other episode that I want to call out is the one specifically about the directors where, um, where they, they kind of, they, they talk, um, uh, about Deborah Chow, Rick Fumiyama, Bryce Dallas Howard, Taika, um, Dave Filoni. Um, and they, and they, and they really talk about their different perspectives and, and what they each brought to, um, what they each brought to the film process. You know, Bryce was uh, like the newbie, um, as far as, you know, um, being a director and especially on a TV, uh, Deborah Chow had probably, I guess, probably the most experience. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to hear her perspective coming from other TV projects into this one and to shoot. Um, and then Rick Fumiyama, who had, you know, done, you know, he's like, man, I'm used to like, hey, we grab a camera and we grab some people and, you know, we just like, hey, we're setting up and we're shooting and things are a lot more practical, a lot more, um, like, um, grounded. you know, impromptu. Yeah. yeah, grounded. Um, 
and and so one of the things Favreau called out was like, hey, you, you know, there were there were parts, you know, in filming this where where you brought that sensibility to this, you know, technology, so we were able to get great action shots and uh, and things like that. It was it, it was really. And then just hearing Taika Waititi just be Taika Waititi is is always a, a yeah, joy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a coup for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it it was um, it was just really I, I I highly recommend it. I mean, they're they're fairly short. Um, they range anywhere I think from like seventeen minutes to like twenty eight minutes. Yeah. Um, but it, incredibly insightful. Um, and it sometimes some of these pieces I feel like even like when you and I'm a fan of like. Blu-ray and DVD extras, some of that stuff can really just come across as shallow puff pieces and just like like basically essentially it was overblown. So exciting working on this yeah. project with all these exciting people, well, especially especially from, idea. especially from Disney in particular. They've really yes. like been lacking when it comes like with all these you know the Marvel movies and the Star Wars, but Star Wars is a little different. They get you get a couple good sized documentaries on there, but like some of these other ones, it's just. It's just all fluff, and maybe a commentary comes out, but even then it's recorded before it's released, so there's no real perspective on it. So it, this just feels like an awesome, like, if we're not going to get The Mandalorian on Blu-ray, which you probably still will eventually, this is a great way to, you know, have supplements to go with it, short of having, like, said commentaries or what have you, because you're just getting so many different perspectives that really give you details about the production that yeah. you just really benefit and make it better. I, like I can't wait to rewatch the Mandalorian because of watching all these for the past several weeks. I, I, yeah. That's where I'm at. I'm totally like, man, I'm ready to just like fire this thing up and watch it again because now I have a whole new perspective on, on, on the show. Um, not to, I, I meant for this to be a quick hit and not to get too far into it. But, um, one of the things I also appreciate is there, one of the things I feel, whether it's actually happened or not, I think to some degree, with the Disney takeover of Star Wars, I think Lucas is kind of taking a backseat or a backseat. He's not in the picture anymore. I mean, he sold his company. Um, and one of the things I really appreciate with this is especially Dave Filoni um, and even even and Favreau, Favreau and even yeah. and even Kathy Kennedy, to, to be fair. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, they, they're really they call back to George a lot and they and they really give him credit and props and talk about. Like, hey, when he did this back then, this was, you know, what was going on and, and think like they're I really was impressed with the fact that they were being as kind and as as mentioning to, to George Lucas as as they were, um, because I think just between the prequels and selling, you know, I, I think I think sometimes he, you know, in directing the prequels, I, I think I, I think yeah. his contribution sometimes gets downplayed. I think I think Filoni has. I mean, I'm a little biased because my friend Matt Dunnigan grew up with Dave Filoni. He's from here in the Pittsburgh area, and uh, uh, so you know, area bias or whatever. But I think he has a, a really good grasp on like George's ideas and concepts, and is able yeah. to uh, translate them in, in interesting ways. So well, the the key that I see with him and Favreau, uh, I mean. Kennedy, I shouldn't have to mention her because she's been working with these guys since Star Wars was coming yeah, out. So exactly. it's like, oh, sure, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like so she's not new to this whatsoever. No, she's been and any like years, yeah. anything thrown her way is always nonsense to me. It's like she's the, she knows what she's doing. Uh, but for Favreau and Filoni, and they even like one of them, Favreau said this. The, the key, I think, what's helping is that in terms of making more Star Wars, is that they're they talk about it as if we want to make things that you know 
are indebted to the stuff that George likes and, and that they yeah, by right. proxy like as well, where I think not to get too far into this. One of the issues I have with what Abrams is doing is that he just he's making movies that come from Star Wars. They're not a tribute to anything right. else beyond Star yes. Wars. They're not a tribute and to Kurosawa or Western. When you number. see when you see the Mandalorian, you see the obvious, you know, the the Kurosawa influence, the the samurai film influence, the, the spaghetti western influence, you know, all the things that kind of went into George instead of like you say Abrams just going directly from Star Wars as an influence itself. Something so. that Ryan Johnson put a tap into also, which is why that movie works. But um, yeah, <laughs> let's not go down that road again. You know how much I love that movie, so yeah, <laughs> uh, died, right on, died on that hill many times. But regardless, <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get into that. I'm just saying it shows it, and that this is a great series, Russ. Is you bring it up because yeah, it really gets into the stuff that makes this you know work and be it just interesting to learn about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, there's an episode on the, with the cast. There's an episode on the, the practicals. You know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the digital and everything, but they talk about the practical effects side of it. Um, and then the most recent episode was about the music, which, yeah. again, you know, to, to your point, Aaron, they really emphasize like we – when they went to the composer, they said, look, we don't want – we don't want you to basically take John Williams and just do like the Mandalorian version of John Williams. Uh-huh. We want you to do – this new thing and when you see the guy playing the recorder and hitting that theme it's just like it almost gives you chills because it's just it's just so cool anyway it's just yeah i if if you haven't watched it because you're just concerned that some of this stuff tends to be a little drivel um there's a lot of meat on this bone um and i highly recommend watching all the episodes i think the last episode comes out this friday the eighth episode so the um the composer is Ludwig Göransson, who yes. uh, scored Black Panther, among other things, but he's also scored the next thing I'm going to bring up, Community. <laughs> um, ah, yes. He did the music for the show Community, which has been brought to Netflix um, all six seasons, but no movie yet. Um, I watched Community when it was on, and I was always a huge fan of it. Um, I I didn't forget how good it was, but like watching it now on Netflix as I just kind of burned through it on a nightly basis... It's so funny. It's such a fantastic comedy series that has like well-rounded characters because that's the way that um Dan, what's his name? Dan um Harmon. Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon works like he just has a very specific kind of perspective on how to like do things and shape characters, what have you. But just watching the show and like seeing, especially watching it in such short succession, so I'm seeing like the various arcs and the running gags and what have you. There's so much here. I don't know if anyone's not familiar with community, but I'll just say it is about a group of six people that go to community college and the various antics that they get into to put it in the simplest ways possible. But it's just a really funny series. Um, I've been a fan of it and I'm happy to like rediscover so much of what I really liked about it to begin with. Do you recommend all the seasons? I mean, I'm, I'm on the fourth season right now, which is the season where Dan Harmon was famously fired right. um, and they had other showrunners come in before he was rehired <laughs> back on. Um, I, I like the first and second season are like spectacular. Like it's so like it gets mm-hmm. off and running in that first season. And it's consistently hilarious. Then the second season's like just yeah. insane of how brilliant it is. And, and the third season's wonderful too. So yeah, the fourth feels like, a, okay, this, you know, we're, we're kind of running in place right now, but I mean, it's still funny. Like you have this set of actors that are doing this funny stuff. So I, I can't, just, I can't complain too much about like not being quite on the top as some of the best comedy I've seen in the first few seasons. I need to go back to it. That the, the composer, I'm 
he was Ryan Coogler's roommate, yes. roommate in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he scored all his movies. Yeah. yeah. Troy and Abed in the morning. <laughs> Who are you uh, looking at? There's no camera over there. <laughs> I need to go back and watch that show. I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, talking about it recently. Um, and I've, I never watched it when it was on. And then after I found out, oh, that's where the Russos came from, I was like, oh, I should probably watch that. And oh, now, yeah. <laughs> I hear people talking about it now. And I'm even, you know, recently I'm like, yeah, I should probably get on that. It, it's such an easy show to just watch, too. It's, you know, it's a 20 minute sitcom and it's sure you know broadcast tv so it's like there's no fat on it because there's not there's no time for there to be fat on it so right, it runs. right and yeah the russos yeah they're, they're it's their production company like and they're yeah they directed a lot of the episodes so yeah community it's on netflix cool awesome do you have anything else jim or uh yeah um i guess we have enough time um what if I told you a little while ago there was a TV show where uh, police here, were... I'm listening. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I got your attention so far. Okay, great. Uh, it featured uh, um, uh, race relations and police brutality as central themes. It talked about some crazy crap about to go down in Tulsa and stuff that went down in Tulsa a long time ago that is very pertinent to what's happening in the news now. People wearing masks everywhere they go. Uh... It's Watchmen. Uh, this show, I, I just did a whole rewatch with my uh, purchase of HBO Max, unfortunately. Uh, I succumbed. But um, this show is uh, even more timely now than it was when it came out. Uh, and it's, it's, a, um, it, it's amazing that like huge tragedies like the Tulsa Race Riot never got... I mean, this show was a lot of people's wake-up to that even happening, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's just, uh, it has amazing performances all around. It's just really well thought out. And it's it's dealing with a lot of the huge issues that we are dealing with now in a very real way. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to go back and rewatch it. I mean, ostensibly, of course, it's a sci-fi superhero show and everything. But it's really dealing with some, some serious uh, stuff there. And especially now in the light of everything that's going on, I wanted to go back and do a rewatch. And for me, it was the, I found it even uh, had more to offer me on on a rewatch now. Um, So I wanted to recommend that to anybody who hadn't seen it the first time. And oddly enough, we did podcast about that show. We did. Yeah. You could chase each watch of the episodes with our episodes of the podcast. (laughs) That's right. You could uh, get our in-depth analysis from way, way back then. It seems like a lifetime ago now, but um, it does. Uh, I definitely recommend that series to anyone. It's just uh, incredible uh, performances all around. Uh, yeah, Abdul Mateen and I had, I had Regina King, and uh, of course Jeremy Irons, and uh, it just I, I can't say Gene Smart about and yeah, yeah, Gene yeah. Smart is incredible. Don Johnson is good, you know, for the bit that he's in it. <laughs> it's not, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a great. I can't I can't recommend it enough. So. I wanted to, I wanted to shout that out as well. It's a Peabody it's a Peabody award winning show now, which it is the yes. Peabody I mean, award. 
Emmys are one thing, but Peabody's are like the best thing you can win in TV. Like it's yeah. and it's such a that's such a prestigious honor, and it's so deserved because yeah, it's an incredible series. It's both a sequel to Watchmen that somehow is successful at being a sequel to Watchmen, as well as being incredibly relevant. It's like it was like Lindelof just tapped into like what's still a problem today. This yeah, and, let me go for that, and he does it, and it's amazing. It is like there is a very short leap from these guys running around in Rorschach masks to the guys who were, you know, waving guns around in the Michigan or uh, the Minnesota legislature the other day, because, you know, they couldn't go get haircuts or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very short leap. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm finding more and more poignancy uh, as, uh, as I rewatch. And I, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about it, obviously. Russ, you got one more? Yeah, well, Johnny Store, I, I posted on the Facebook uh, group that we were recording tonight, and Johnny Store oh, asked cool. if I was watching, uh, if I watched Ozark, um, which I responded yes. Um, I, I really dig Ozark. Um, it's, it's a bit of a slow burn. Um, it's, it's not a very fast paced show. Um, but it's, I find it incredibly interesting. Um, and the character that plays the, the, that plays Ruth on that show is, uh, I, I don't know. She, she deserved to be nominated for an Emmy because she just like, uh, she was, um, <laughs> oh, was she? Oh, sorry. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, she Julia, deserved to win. Julia Garner. Yeah. Julia Garner. Uh, she, yeah. she did. She did win an Emmy. <laughs> oh, like, did I, she? I want to double check this before I said that out loud, but yeah, she did win an Emmy. <laughs> Fully deserving. I yeah. stand corrected. Um, she just cracks me up. Like she's just extremely foul mouth, but just her delivery is incredible. Like I've seen her in other things. Um, and, and I've been like, eh, but she just knocks it out of the park with this role in, in Ozark. She's just fantastic. Um, and Jason Bateman is, um, he's, he's again, he's and Laura Linney. Like they're all, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they've gone, uh, Bateman has gone behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. I think even Laura Linney directed an episode, I think. Of the, yeah, this the season, I believe. Season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which Bateman's obviously been doing more directing stuff, um, recently, but, um, but yeah, it's really good. Um, the third season ends with kind of a, a big cliffhanger, I'll say. Um, uh, and it, it hasn't been officially renewed yet. It'll, it's very popular. It's going to, it'll be renewed. <laughs> I would think so too. It's funny because every like I'll I'll go to like Yahoo News or something like that, and always in the corner it's like Ozark canceled, and I'm like, ah. and then uh, I click on the link, and of course nowhere in there does it say it's actually been canceled. No, it's like, no. there's no renewal notice yet, and I'm like, Ugh. no, we're in. I mean, this is not exactly the best time for everything That's to like have superhero announcements. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a difficult situation. Yes. Yes. Sure, I, I echo everything you're saying, Res. I think Ozark's a, a really it's a really solid show. I, I'm not at the like best ever level, but I do. No, like, no, no, no. When it's on. I watch it because it's like it does. It does bring you in for sure. It's that like the Breaking Bad comparisons are obviously there. Uh, like it's it's very. I can I can understand that there is a key difference. I think where Walter White lies, where Marty and the others. They tell the truth. Like that's their that's their yeah, that's, they, to, that's yeah their, they, they fault the other direction. Yeah, which is a really intriguing way to take things. But regardless, yeah, the show works. I was try like it's three seasons in. For three years I've been saying 
to my dad, you need to watch this show. Everything about this is the kind of show you would like. He finally watches it this year. He's like, and he burnt, he's done already. He's like, that was great. Why did I wait so long to watch it? And I roll my eyes and say, I don't know, but I'm glad you finally watched this show. My wife and I do the same thing all the time. I finally got her to watch The Expanse that way. She's like, oh, I found this great show called... I'm like, I've been telling you to watch that for years. Literally years. Yeah, it's funny because... Yeah, I watched my wife the past asked, three days. Okay. My wife asked about this one and, and I was like, yeah, you won't like this show. Like, my wife does not... She's not a fan of the slow burn by uh-huh. any stretch of the imagination. Like, she's... Like, if stuff doesn't move or go somewhere, she's like, yeah, I'm out. Um, I don't think it's... So, yeah. It's, I hear just... I just don't... I don't find it to be that slow specifically, but I... I, I, I get it, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't either because I just I'm so invested in the characters, mm. uh, and and when when they're on screen and they're and and they're chewing dialogue, um, like it's fast it, it's fascinating yeah. me because I just I just I just I'm sucked into what they're saying. But but yeah, it's just not the yeah. My wife is just like yeah, less less talk, more action, kind of not even action, but just like yeah, let's where are you going with this? Like yeah yeah. Yeah, good series. Money laundering. Yeah. Terrifying. Don't do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it definitely scratches the uh breaking bad itch. I'll, I'll say that. Uh-huh. Like if That's a better uh, better call Saul came on within the past few months and it was spectacular again, but you know. Yeah. I'm so far behind on better call Saul. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I know I need to get caught up. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the stuff that we've been watching that's been relevant. Uh I don't know if anybody else has anything they want to either shout out or quick hit or anything like that. Hmm. No, not really. I, I, I throw I throw out the things I watched. I, I I can say that I you know I'm obviously watching plenty of movies because I'm still reviewing stuff and everything I do ends up on Wheel of Entertainment. I've been writing these um, shorter reviews, but it's like a combination of like different ones in all in one post. So like every week, I have like you know four or five reviews of movies that are new to streaming that are all posted in one kind of lump together so you can find all those over there at we have entertainment or my blog thecodezeek.com everything i do ends up in that area so as far as movie releases go cool. we celebrated the 25th anniversary of uh of uh, batman forever today so uh go watch that movie and listen to our audio commentary yeah that's, that's on the uh, now there uh, facebook page you can find that yeah. there do it get on that earn your gold star for the week yeah, the only thing I I've, I've been going through my a while back I got the Alfred Hitchcock like a Blu-ray collection. Ooh. It's like a it's like a digit book or what? It's like the a box a, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's got like I don't know ten movies in there or something like that. So I've been, um, I mean, most of them I've seen many many times. A couple of them I hadn't seen at all. Um, like with the Trouble of Harry. I it, that was one I hadn't watched before, and I funny enough I watched that last night. Most people hadn't seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a good one. It's a with, fun little... with Jerry Mathers as the Beaver um, <laughs> in that movie. Uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah. Very uh, black comedy, I guess is is probably the closest. This is um, Shirley MacLaine, right? Yellow bear, like Shirley, a very young Shirley introducing MacLaine. Shirley yeah. MacLaine, yeah, like her first, yeah, her first yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and the guy that played uh, Santa Claus in Miracle on Thirty yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth Street, Edmund Edmund Gwynn, yeah, Edmund Gwynn, yeah. yeah, yeah, William Forsyth, a young William Forsyth before he became Charlie. Uncle Charlie. Uh, I have an impending video uh, um, essay I'm work, working on. Turns out video editing 
you really kind of have to learn how to do it. There's a lot, <laughs> lot to it. You can't just grab the tools and start. You got to kind of learn some stuff, and I've been doing that. But I've been slowly but surely um, working on a uh, series of video essays I'm doing on YouTube on another channel called Retro- uh, Retropolis. So uh, keep your peepers peeled for that. I'll, I'll announce as I go. But first one is going to be on a, uh, a movie that is very near and dear to my heart, and I'm almost done with that one. So very excited. Cool. Yeah, it turns out I thought I could just you know press a few buttons and be done, but no. Yeah. I mean, audio editing is one thing, but you know. Yeah, video is a whole new ballgame. Um, yeah, I don't. Anybody else have anything else they want to plug? Personally, uh, just staying safe out there. That's that's the thing I want to plug. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. For certain. So um, shelter in place. When possible. Yes. Yeah. Minimize minimize your excursions. I, suge- uh, I suggest an inflatable pool for the backyard. It's been a boon for us so far this summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both the children and the adults enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, just, just keep an eye on, on the channel. I know Half Hour Wasted's been putting a bunch of stuff up. Brad and Frank and Bill have been doing a lot of remote recording since they've had some extra time. Um, yeah, it was some, some guy from Long Island or whatever. Yeah, that guy. I remember. I don't know. I think we used to know that guy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, check out Daryl's stuff when he's on over at the Taylor Network. TaylorNetworkPodcast.com. Uh, we've been uh, – we took a week off during the height of the rides or whatever, but we've been doing nothings on every week uh, with uh, your, your goofy look at entertainment, uh, TV, and movie news. Every week, uh, we've been recording every Sunday and usually out every Monday afternoon. So check that out. We've been out uh, lately. We've been really uh, intently. We, we've had a, a, a segment called Quibi Watch. Oh, my. As uh, we watch Quibi crash like a Hindenburg into the ground. Uh, it's been it's been interesting. So. Yeah. TaylorNerverPodcast.com um, so, for that. I'm sorry. You can also yeah, check yeah. out Russ at Gotham by Geeks over there. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, with the unfortunate passing of Denny O'Neill recently, I think uh, our next episode we record is probably going to be uh, kind of a, a lot of talk about Denny O'Neill's influence on the bat over over time, which, I mean, we've talked many times on the show, but I think we'll probably have some focus on, on Denny O'Neill. So cool. keep an eye out for that. Um, and then, you know, if there's any significant news on the walking dead i think we'll we'll definitely pull back together if nothing else to give us something to talk about but uh, i know some folks have been wanting us to do some comic talk there's been talk about doing a a commentary like or uh like a watch along kind of thing so um i I think maybe over the next week or two maybe we'll pull some of that together and figure out what what direction we want to go whether it's comics or um start looking at that poll that jim put up a while back to uh um to talk about episodes, you know, so so stay stay tuned. Once things get a little more settled, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, um, and we will catch you next time on the Walking Dead TV podcast. Bye bye.